And then sometimes I rent a car and think this is a great car because it's a new car and it doesn't run as good as my old car. It's frustrating. But I like renting cars because when I rent a car, I know it's not my car. So if, if it gets filthy, I'm not upset. If something happens to the interior, I'm not devastated. That's horrible, right? Because I should be a good manager of that car. I've been loaned that car. I should use it well. But that's the way we operate sometimes. How many got kids? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. How about, how about grandkids? Oh, my. Listen, y'all know what I'm about to say. You have kids. Often, they use your home as a rental, right? An Airbnb. They, they'll use, listen, you can get a brand new couch and you tell your kids, it's very important that we take care of this leather couch. We just spent $3,500 on this couch. The next thing you know, the dog is on the couch. They spill something down in the cracks of the couch. And you know there's no way to get it out of the couch. It's down in those deep cracks that until Jesus comes back, it will be there. And the reason why is because they don't care to be a good manager and steward of that property because it isn't their property. And then when they learn to drive and they want to drive your car, your truck, specifically your truck, your Toyota Tacoma that you love and you cherish and that you worked very hard to get. And you have these really specific tires that you wanted and wheels on that, that vehicle. And when they're getting really close to a curb, you're like, please do not hit that curb. I don't want you to scrape my wheels. And they're like, what is the big deal, dad? Why are you so picky? Why are you always so worried about little things like scratches on the dashboard? Because this is my property and I'm letting you use it, and I want it to last, and I need you to respect it. You know, the problem is we are not always the best managers when it comes to these things. And, you know, I'm talking about children. I'm talking about adults. But God's dealing with some of the same issues. God has problems with his own children in his own house. Y'all follow me? For a matter of fact, God deals with the same problems with his house and with his divine property. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible tells us in Psalms 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's. All right. Not just that, the fullness thereof, the world and all that dwell therein. Guess what that means? Y'all are not your own. You are not in control. Whether you think so or not, you are not. It's all God's. This is his kingdom. This is his property. We own nothing, not even our own lives. That's why it can end just like that. You don't control that. And, uh, and over time, mankind has forgotten about that. We've forgotten that this is all God's stuff and nothing more than being managers is our responsibility. We're not owners. Everybody with me so far? And in, in the, in the reality is, is, as owners, or excuse me, as managers, as stewards of God's kingdom, we have been given some serious responsibilities. When you understand that you own nothing and it's all God's, life gets a lot easier. You say, well, why does life get a lot easier? Because you realize he's the landlord and you're just the tenant. That means the big issues, the big problems, he is responsible for taking care of that. So quit freaking out. You are the steward of your, that property that he's given you, including this body, including your, your, your home and your money and your finances. It's good to have a good landlord. When I was in Tennessee, we had an amazing landlord. 
I think he was amazing because he just liked Brianna. He could care less about me. We we're about to have our first child, Christian. And we're like, we need to change out this carpet. It's nasty. She said, would you mind changing the carpet out? And he's like, sure, we'll put all new carpet in. We'll put new tile in. You guys can paint the house. Whatever you need, we'll take care of it. Yeah, that's a good landlord. All you need to do in return is take care of it. Y'all follow me? Manage it well. Be a good steward of what I'm doing for you. At the beginning of time, Adam was given the authority to oversee the earth, if you would. He was to have dominion over it, charge over it. He was commissioned by God to care for the creation of God. And he had free will to manage it as he saw fit with the guidelines that God gave them. But he still had free will to manage it as he saw fit. God has called each of us to do the same thing. We're stewards. We're managers of his possession, his kingdom, his creation. And Christian stewardship is a responsibility that Christians have to maintain and to use wisely. What are we using wisely? Our time, our talents, and our treasures. We, we have been giving these things bestowed by God to use them in a fashion that pleases the owner. Time, talent, treasure, stewarding our lives is what we're going to focus on for the next three weeks. But the interesting thing about being a good manager is that you can easily become a bad manager. If you don't know what a bad manager looks like, just go to a fast food restaurant and you'll figure out very quickly if it is a bad manager or a good manager. Y'all with me? Yeah. Uh, let me give you an example. Me and Christian and the rest of us, my family, we were traveling to Alabama for the holidays. We stopped at Taco Bell slash KFC. Got to love it. It's not just Taco Bell. We can get some chicken at the same time. I love going to those because I can order me a taco and get me some mashed potatoes, too, if I wanted to. We go in. I'm excited about this moment. The guy looks at us and he said, I just need to let you know we have no tacos. We have no beans. We have no mashed potatoes. We do, you can't get a gordilla crunch, and you probably ain't going to get anything you really like. What? Why? He said, well, our manager just doesn't know how much to order. Sometimes he orders too much or sometimes he orders too little. So you know what that's called? A bad manager. That's called bad management because you just messed up Taco Bell. You don't mess with Taco Bell. KFC is okay, but don't mess with Taco Bell. Adam was a bad manager. The reason he was a bad manager is because God empowered him to make decisions and he made the wrong decisions. God has given all of us the freedom to mess up what he's created. Now, I'm painting a picture here before we dive into this. This is called free will. You and I have been empowered to make the right and wrong decision. We can make a wrong decision or we can make a right decision. And I know that's difficult because at times we get, we get swayed and we start making wrong decisions so easily. You know, we've been given the freedom to manage the way we please to the extent that we can hand it all over to Satan. Y'all realize that? Now watch this. Think about this. When Satan was cast out of heaven, at that moment in time, he was Lucifer. A third of the heavenly host went with him. Where did they go? Well, at that time, the earth was without form, and it was void, and it was dark. 
he was cast to that location. Now watch. God is about to give management there. So God reformats the earth. He separates the, the, the light from the darkness. And the creation begins. And Adam is empowered with managing earth. Now, the presence of Satan is there doesn't mean that, that the earth was cursed at that time with sin. But it does mean that the presence of sin was there. And so Adam and Eve being empowered to oversee the garden had a decision to make. What is that decision? We will either be good managers or bad managers of what God has given us. And so when they chose to give in to what Satan encouraged them to do, and that is to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they literally handed over the management to Satan. Now Satan's power increased. He's the prince and the power of the air. Why is that? Because now the world's sin cursed. And we as Christians now are in a spiritual warfare. Why? Because we here on earth were meant to thrive with perfection. But that perfection and that sinless nature has been removed. And now we're dwelling with sin. We're in the world, but not of the world. And in that, in that sin that we're indwelling, we have to stand up for what is right and protect what God intended for this world to look like in the original form and creation. Is everybody, everybody with me? Y'all are nervous. Like he's still on his introduction. It's okay. Well, I only have two points. I want you to know this. There are three areas in which I want to challenge you this month. In each one of these areas, we have been empowered to be good stewards with our time, our talents, and our treasures. The world is filled with chaos. People are constantly trying to figure out how to manage life. How do I manage my wife? How do I manage my husband? How do I manage my children? How do I manage my own body? How do I manage my car? How do I manage my finances? We are struggling. And I believe the reason we're struggling is simply because we are basing and managing everything according to our reasoning instead of God's revelation, which is the revealed word of God. This is a new year. How many of you are excited about the new year? How many say it's just another year? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Good. You're an encouragement. <laughs> hey, listen, a new year brings a new opportunity to be good stewards. And so I need you to catch this. I want everybody by the end of this message to be able to raise your hand and say, I'm excited about this new year because I believe some incredible things are going to happen in my life. I'm going to be a good steward of my time, my talents, my treasures. Man, things are going to be amazing. Right? Yeah. yeah, I hope you're there because this is where we're going. This is where we're going to start right here. I want to focus on the subject of time, specifically time management. I'm calling this, it's about time. It's not just about time in the sense that the message is about time. It's about time we make a decision this year to stop being average, to go above and beyond, because this is what James says. James asked the question, what is your life? And he follows up with the answer. He said, it is even a vapor, appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. In other words, he's saying life is fragile, life is short, and life is sure to pass away. There's no surety of life. Life will be here and gone before you know it. So with that in mind, how are you managing your time? What are you doing with the time you've been given? 
And for this reason, we're asked to be good stewards of the time that we have been given. And so in order to do that, we have to look specifically at Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, it, it, it covers two important themes. You have the obedience to the example of Christ and in, in this relationship that we have between a husband and wife. But if you look at verse 15 and 16, we see an emphasis on time, specifically time management. Now read it with me so you understand. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming, what's the word? time because the days are what? Evil. I want to begin this series on biblical time management. It's about time that we make a decision to manage our time the way God would have us to do it. Now, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray. And I don't usually pray in the middle of my message, but I feel like I want some real clarity what I'm about to say. So y'all with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Give me clarity as I speak. Help us to completely understand the importance of managing our time well. And we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Every minute of time spent is a piece of your life given away. Do you understand that your life, the time you've been given, is free, but it's priceless? The time is priceless. You can't own it, but you can spend it. And what you spend, you cannot get back. So according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, there's some, some clear guidelines to managing our time wisely. So let's look at this verse, verse 15, one more time. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Discern your time wisely. Let me say it again. Discern your time wisely. Wisely, If you want to be a good manager of your time, a biblical management means you have to discern your time wisely. That means you have to evaluate what is consuming your time. Now, follow me. In the, Greek, the original Greek, the phrase translated as walking circumspectly means to watch or to look carefully on how you live, to be vigilant and to be mindful of your behavior, to look out, to look about. We are looking for things that are robbing us of our time. The question is, what's consuming your time? What is it in your life that you're not been aware of that's consuming your time? There's five areas in life that occupy our time. Think about this. You have faith. That's, that's God time. You have family. That's family time. You, you have finances. That's work time. We don't really like that. We have friends, that's social time, and then we have fun, that would be playtime. All of us have been given those things. Some of these areas are very small in your life, maybe. But take a moment and ask yourself this question. What percentage of time have I committed to each one of these areas? Is everybody with me? What percentage of time have I committed to each one of these areas? Each of us have been given the same amount of hours and the same amount of minutes in a day. You have 1,440 minutes in a day. You have 168 hours in a week. The question is, what are you doing with it? To put it time in a better perspective, I want you to consider the stages of life, okay? Let's pretend you're going to live to be 73 years old. If you're going to live to be 73 years old, there's five stages within your life. 
You have the stage of infancy. That's uh, 0 to 5. You have the stage of childhood. That's 6 to 12. You have the, the stage of adolescence. That's, uh, that's, that's ages 13 to 20. You have the stage of adulthood. Adulthood starts 21 to 65. And then, God help us, you have old adulthood, which is around 65 to 73. Anything past that, God help you, you're on your own. The reality is this is the different segments of life. So if you were to live 73 years, 23 years of that time is spent sleeping. Now, the majority of that time spent sleeping is probably during your adolescence, 13 to 20, because we all know as we get older, we get very little sleep. It's just difficult. But if you do spend 23 hours of your 73 years sleeping, that means you have 50 hours, excuse me, 50 years, 50 years, let me go back, 23 years sleeping. You only have 50 years left after your 73 years of life. Is everybody clear on that? Now watch. What are you going to do with those 50 years? 50 years is not a whole lot of time. That means you're going to have to balance between faith, family, finances, friends, and fun. Within that short period of time, Satan is also challenging you to use your time in a way that's foolish. And he uses different resources to accomplish this. I mean, think about this. We spend two hours, two hours a day on social media. Sometimes we can spend up to three hours a day watching TV. We, we spend Netflix or whatever the case may be. It's it said that on an average, 1.9 billion people on our, our daily active users are Facebook alone. That's just Facebook. Now, let's put this in perspective. The global average lifespan is 73.4 years. If that be true, that means if you start using social media at the age of 10, by the time you reach 73, you have used a total of 3.4 million minutes of your life on social media alone. Wow. That's a total of six years and eight months on social media. That's a huge chunk of your life. You said that is impossible. No. It is not, because some people in here are using social media as I speak. The reality is you use it more often than you realize. Social media has become such a natural part of our lives, it's as if we're breathing. When's the last time you forgot your phone at home and you found yourself doing this over and over and over again because it's become a part of who you are? Now, this is interesting. These Statistics do not include the average time everybody spends on normal activities of life, the necessary activities of life. Think about this. If you were to live to be 73 years old, you'll probably spend, according to statistics, one year and eight months using that time for housekeeping. For some of you, that's not true at all. <laughs> you might spend maybe eight months in your total life. Amen. One year and 11 months socializing two years and two months shopping. God help us. That's a lot of money, two years and two months. Now, that's including shopping for your food, shopping for your clothes, just, you know, shopping. Now, here's the interesting thing. Three years and seven months of your time, of your life, is spent eating. Wow. <laughs> According to God's word, there are some things in life that we must make time for. There's no way getting around those things. 
But when we make time for those things, we have to be good stewards of those things. We have to be very attentive that Satan is out to take away the time as God, God has given us and waste it and not be good stewards. We have to discern our time wisely and evaluate what is consuming our time. Now, there's been some very clear guidelines for us to consider when it comes to time. There's things that God has told us. These are things that are necessities in your life. You make time for them. There's a time for it, and there's a time when you don't do it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 through 8. To everything, there's a season. There's a, there's a period of time. And to, every, and to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, which I've never done. I've never taken time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing those that have that love language, that spiritual touch, uh, excuse me, uh, physical touch. I said spiritual touch, physical touch. God help you because you're, there's a time where you just need a break away and learn that it's not always going to go your way. A time to lose. A time to keep a time to cast away. And the Bible just continues with all these different aspects of time, a time to render, a time to sow, a time to keep silent. God help some of us. You got to realize there's a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. About every one of us have these things that we enjoy and we expect that, but we also have to understand that we don't always need that because God has specific times for things in our life. And if we do not categorize those times appropriately, it will destroy us. It will hurt us. It will make our lives where we feel discouraged more than encouraged. Now watch, though. We, we continue with Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeem your time daily. What does that mean? It means to replenish the time you've wasted. Now watch. This verse is so important to evaluate each word. The word redeem is translated to buy back, to take back. It is to replenish what was wasted. This is called making up for lost time. Now, this is important to understand. You can't go back in time and fix or replace the time you've wasted. But you can stop wasting the time you have left. Now, watch this. The word in verse 16 is in reference to buying up all the opportunities that come your way. It means to take advantage of the available time that you have. Buying it up. It's investment. About three, four years ago. Me and Brianna were considering buying a house. I'm like, no, I don't think it's a good time to buy a house. Why buy a house right now? I like where we're living and everything's good. We, we just don't have the money. That was three, four years ago. Think about housing now. I mean, I'm lucky to get a house for $350,000. Guess what? Three, four years ago was a great time to buy a house. I should have taken the opportunity to buy a house. You know what the reality is? When we have given the time to spend with our family and don't take advantage of it and we waste it 
and we're not good stewards of God's time, we have failed. Take it back. Stop letting the world and Satan rob you of the quality time that God has gifted you. This is important. Stop giving your precious time away and start re-evaluating. Let me use that word. Evaluating every moment you have. When my kids were little, I know it's weird. It is weird. I would go in my kids' room and they're just little tiny peoples. And I'd, you know, I'd read them a story and we'd pray together and look at their little tiny feet. This is the weird part. All right. And they're like just little chubby feet. Christian had some horrific feet, but Ellie's a little, little cute feet. And I'm thinking, they're going to get bigger. They won't stay in this season for long. And they did get bigger and uglier. The feet got bigger and bigger. And they changed. And their personalities changed. And I realized, some people love it when I use this, that season of life is changed. It's moved on. I'm at a new season. And I'm like, oh, man, did I fully embrace that period of time? I just, you know, Facebook, you got to love it. It's like, check this picture out from 14 years ago. How do you feel now when you were skinny and you had no gray hair in your beard? And those memories, yeah, they're precious, but they're also heartache for me because I'm thinking, oh, if I could just go back. But I can't. All I can do is redeem the time I have walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time of Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. What does that mean? There is a responsibility to be a godly example to those around us, those that are not believers, to show them that we are created in the image of God. We're going to mirror our creator and use our time wisely. We're not going to waste it away. In order to do that, you have to stop wasting time. And in order to stop wasting time, you have to evaluate it. Now, that seems so simplistic. Psalms 90 and verse 12 says it this way. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What does it mean to number your days? It means just what it said. I only have a, a period of time that I'm going to live, and it could be 73 years or more. But I need to enjoy and number every one of those days. I need to be very specific about those days. Let me break it down and make it easier for you. I believe there's two ways to value, uh, value the days you have left, the time that you have. Consider each day as an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity. I hope you're following me. It's another opportunity to get in shape. <laughs> it's another opportunity to enjoy your family. It's another opportunity to take those vitamins off the shelf and, and take them. It's another opportunity to have a positive spirit instead of a negative spirit. It's another opportunity to tell people about Jesus Christ. It's another opportunity to say, I'm sorry. It's another opportunity to love somebody. It's another opportunity to hug somebody. It's another opportunity to spend some time with somebody. It's another opportunity every single day you get up. That's valuing your time. That's being a good manager of your time. A friend of mine, Doug, when I was in college, he got in a big fight with his mom. And at that time, we didn't have cell phones. I know, I'm old. We had pay phones in our dorm. Weird, huh? So he called his mom. He got in an argument. He went to class. He was all tore up about it. He leaves class and said, I got to get this right. So he goes back and he calls his mom. He gets it right. They're cool. You know, came back and he felt better about it. We're in Tennessee. 
I believe his family lived in Cleveland or something like that. I, wasn't, I can't remember. The next day we're in class and somebody came, one of the administration came down the aisle in that big auditorium where we were having class, tapped him on the shoulder. I could see his face just look distraught. He left, found out later on that his mom died that night, the night before. His little brother was only about eight years old, went in the room to wake his mom up and she wouldn't wake up. And he said to me, I went to the funeral, and he said, Dave, what if I didn't get that right? I would have to live with that forever. You know what he did? He had an opportunity. He prioritized his time, and he said, I'm going to make sure, I am going to make sure I get this thing right. I'm going to tell you, there's been so many times that I've went to bed angry at my wife. I don't sleep well either when I do that. She sleeps great. The next day, I feel like garbage, and I want to get it right. When I was a kid, my, my pastor in, in Alabama, his name was Pop Pool, KC Pool. That's what we called him. KC meant King Charles. We didn't call him King Charles. It was just weird, but that was his name. He always said this, Dave, when you get married, never let the sun go down on your wrath. Never, ever go to bed angry. You've got to make it a point in your life that you get things right with your spouse. Get things right with your kids. It eats at me. You know, I, can't, I can't deal with it. I just can't. If I don't have something right with somebody, I just can't live with it. I've been in so many fights when I was in college, and I go back to my room, and they're in another room, and I just, it, it, you know, my roommates would be like, I give you 10 minutes, and you're going to go get that right. And they're right because it just ate me up inside because I only have that period of time. And thank God I got it right because they're my supporting churches now. They're pastors. <laughs> Glad I got that thing right. Consider each day as an opportunity. Prioritize your time daily. That's how you value, value your time that you have here on earth. How do you do that? It's called a calendar. It's called schedules. I was challenged by a friend of mine years ago to write down everything I need to do within that day and organize it in such a way that I know how much time I'm spending on each one of those areas of my life. And then at the end of the day, see how much time you spent at work, and then you tally it up at the end of the week. It's very interesting. I've been doing that for years now. And I come to realize there's some days I waste a lot of time, and there's some days I spend too much time at work. You know, prioritizing your time daily. Ask yourself what you did yesterday. Out of the day you had yesterday, did you redeem your time? Did you replenish the time you've wasted in 2022 and reevaluate and say, I'm not going to do it this year? Come on now. Y'all with me? Please tell me you're with me. Yes, sir. Guys, we have very little time left on earth. I have carried the casket of a 12-year-old boy and watched his family weep until they couldn't weep any longer when I was a youth pastor. They thought they had a long time with that boy, but they didn't. If they could go back, they would prioritize the 12 years they had, and they would do things probably a lot different. This is your year to get back what you've lost in 2022. It's time to redeem the time you have left. What have you done with your time? Is church a priority, a priority to you? What's your church attendance like? 
Is it, well, if we have a social event, I'll go to that. I'd rather go to the park. I would too, but guess what? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Iron sharpeneth iron. We need to be together. If it's only an hour to two hours a week, that's okay. But let me tell you something. It's 2023. Prioritize your time and make sure that your faith is at the top of the list and it gets a lot of time. That means your God and I time. That means your church time. That means your devotional time, which is your God and I time. Make time for it. Come on, y'all with me? Prioritize. Now watch this. We're commissioned by God to redeem the time because we, the time we have left because the days are evil. Notice the last part of the verse, because the days are evil. The word evil is that which is actively opposed to that which is good. Many obstacles lie in the path of believers. And sometimes those obstacles to use our time wisely are put there because of us or because of Satan. We always claim it's Satan, but often it's us. So what is those obstacles? What are those things that you would describe as Satan's desire to sift you and waste you? I heard the story, and I I believe we used this story uh, years ago. I know we did at Fellowship Baptist Church, our sending church. We brought it to life on stage. It was a drama. It was about Satan. And he was meeting with the imps of hell, some of his top leaders. And he asked the question, what are we doing to become successful in the realm of darkness? How are we leading people away from God's agenda? And so these different imps from hell would begin to speak into it. They said sex trafficking is at an all-time high with 24.9 million victims of human trafficking around the world. Another one spoke up and he says, there's nearly a million abortions a year. We're very successful in this. And Satan wasn't very satisfied with this. He was a little bit upset. Drug addiction is at an all-time high. There's over 10 million people uh, that are abused each year in America alone. But this wasn't enough for Satan, right? Satan says, we got to be doing something greater and better than these things. Because time is short. Time. One of the imps says, that's it. We'll convince people they have plenty of time. And I believe we've been convinced of that. I believe that we've convinced ourselves that we will live forever. You say, no, I don't think that. Then when's the last time you thought about the fact that you were going to die? I know, we don't want to think on that, but the reality is, you will. You will. So what are you doing with the little bit of time you have left? You're going to be 73? Well, actually, you only got 50 years to make a difference because 23, you're going to be sleeping. Oh, yeah, you're going to be eating, too. What is that, eight years? So you better be socializing while you're eating, maybe doing some praying. Here's the point. Get it. The days are evil. The days are short. This is the verse I want to end with, Romans chapter 13. I'll give you two verses, 11 and 12. And that, knowing the time that now is at hand, time to awake out of sleep. What is it? It's time to wake up, pay attention, be aware. For now is our salvation near than when we've believed. Listen to verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, therefore, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It's almost over. 
I want you to bow with me for a word of prayer. As they come and prepare to sing, as we close this out, we utilize, here's the word, the time we have together to specifically focus on the message. Sometimes it's 40 minutes. It can be a long time to be sitting in that seat. But if you use those 40 or 35 minutes wisely and pay attention, I believe that God, not because I spoke, but because God had a purpose for the message for you today. I want you to know, whatever God is speaking to you about right now, you better pay attention. Because there's a reason God is convicting you of that time that you've been spending in a way that is not wise. So what are you going to do with it? Are you going to replenish the time you've wasted? Are you going to redeem your time that you have? Because we're not going to be together forever.